and welcome to the new series of the Wildlife Community Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie, and I'm so excited to have the chance to bring you conversations with great guests who are passionate about connecting people and nature. Join me as we delve into discussions about wildlife, share top tips, and inspire you to transform your local areas into thriving natural havens, and, of course, helping you to make your space a wild one. And welcome back. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Wildlife Community Podcast. So last weekend, we took the wildlife community on the road to the Global Bird Fair at Rutland Showground, and we had the chance to chat to some really great guests. And over the next few episodes, we will be bringing the Global Bird Fair to you, wherever you are in the world. First up, I had a little bit of a break, and our brilliant ambassador, Dan Rouse, had a catch up with Dale Forbes from Savovsky Optics about some exciting projects that are taking place around the world. So grab a coffee and let's go to the Global Bird Fair. Um, so welcome to the Wildlife Community Podcast. My name's Dan and I'm joined by Dale from Swarovski Optic as well. Um, and we're basically going to chat about sustainability and some of the upcoming projects you've had involving different communities. So starting from a very wet and soggy bird fair, which is a change compared to last year where it was blistering hot and unbearable. <laughs> So starting with Swarovski then, so what is it that, for those who don't know, that you do specifically? Uh, We manufacture binoculars, spotting scopes, optics of the highest quality. So where you're based, you have a variety of different properties, don't you? Yeah, we've got our our major facility is in the Alps, in in Western Austria, in the state of Tyrol, and that's where we do all of our development and management and production. It's all in a, actually a small community in the Alps. Uh, yeah. Quite a lovely setting, and right in the mountains. Have you been there, Dan? Uh, no. The very few times that the invite has been to go, it's been too cold. Oh, <laughs> I've really? not wanted to go. Too cold? <laughs> <laughs> just get some nice warm clothes on yeah. there are always birds to find in the Alps not very many of them but some very special birds so what we were chatting about briefly earlier is where you're based you're looking at doing new projects so one of the new projects that you've started is looking at sustainability in terms of manufacturing and your different properties as well yeah so sustainability is not not something new to us as a company we've been working on this for a very long time it's something that's core to us and core to our dna we've had just like bunches of engineers who just been working on trying to reduce our footprint for decades now but i suppose over the last few years we've really tried to consciously ramp up how we're thinking about sustainability and rarely get down pledges and get down programs for how we can reduce our footprint on the planet. And so that footprint is a, is a key element. So how do we reduce our energy consumption? Where do we get our energy from? And for example, uh, all of our electricity is from renewable sources. And we have um, photocells on our roofs that produce the equivalent energy for our 
needs of 120 households. Right. So we've, we've got a lot of energy that we're producing ourselves. So how can we reduce our effect on the planet? So one of the things that you have which on your buildings is things like eco-roofs and green roofs as well as your solar panels? That's right. So, and I think about 95% of our roofs are either growing uh, or they're photovoltaic, so solar panels. So moving to a different project you've done, which is very recent, which I don't think a lot of people actually appreciate or know about, is your new Costa Rica project. And I know Costa Rica means a lot to you personally, but how is that going? So what is the initial plan with that project? Yeah, so that came out of the thinking that as a company, it wasn't enough just to be just to reduce our impact, but trying to think further, like how can we have a positive impact on the planet? Yeah. And by thinking about the planet, biodiversity and nature is really close to our hearts. Like we're a company of nature lovers. Like our purpose as a company is for the love of nature. Like nature is it. And so biodiversity is the second major pillar within our sustainability strategy. And coming out of that thinking, we really started to, we asked ourselves the hard questions like how can we have the how can we have a positive impact on the planet and following that thought along we decided that we really needed to purchase land ourselves in a high biodiversity zone to protect that and so we bought what is mostly primary forest in southwestern costa rica it's 115 hectares it's an absolutely stunning location just fill teeming with life. Yeah. And focus here conservation. Yeah, so it's not, a lot of people are going down the route of rewilding, that they purchase land to sort of create new life there, whereas you've gone for conservation and preservation. You've picked land that has a good foundation. It's just a case of monitoring what's there. Yeah, uh, exactly. And so I suppose the the sort of sexy titles are often like, oh, we planted this many trees, yeah. or we like took this pasture and we like rewilded that, that I think that that is very important for the planet. And going into this project, I really wasn't certain like which route we should be going, which, uh, which would have the highest impact. But essentially, we just followed the science. And the science says you really need to protect primary habitat. That has to be the priority Adding in additional, like, rewilding projects are great, but, like, the priority really needs to be on primary protection, which is the route that we ended up taking. So I know you've been there recently. What was the most interesting species you saw whilst you were out there? Oh. <laughs> and you can't say pitters. Oh, there aren't any pitters. There, uh, we've got an ant pitter there, but, oh, what a hard... You like to ask hard questions. Yes. Um, I, I suppose... Uh, can I choose three? 
please? Yes. <laughs> you may have three. Uh, turquoise Katinga, we were seeing every day, like some right in front of like cabin, just turquoise Katinga. It's just, it's a stunning blue bird about four or five inches high, just ridiculously, <laughs> eye-meltingly gorgeous. And uh, second one was uh, Puma. We've got active Pumas on the property. Got some wonderful camera trap photos of Pumas uh, yeah. moving along the trails that I'm walking every day. But the, I suppose the, the most interesting individual species was a tree that was tree species that was described last year based on a clipping of a tree. But uh, they were the botanists who described it were never able to find this original specimen again. <laughs> And uh, now just last week, we found seven individuals on our property of this. And so the photos I took of this tree are the very first photos of this species ever. And these are the only known individuals on the planet. And that's what conservation is. You've now found this species and now protecting it. Correct. Yeah. So in terms of working with people, it's not just a solo project for you, is it? You've got people working with you out in Costa Rica as well? Correct, yeah. So we've got uh, our caretaker, groundskeeper, and his, uh, and his wife who live on the property. But protecting and conserving property like this can never happen in isolation and alone. We've got one, two people who live on an entire 115 hectares. They can't be everywhere. You need an entire community to be working with you to be protecting the area effectively. And that's why building relationships within the area is so important. Uh, I use area in the general sense, so both in the uh, close by area, there are 200 people who live there. Yeah. And uh, but yet within the region of uh, of the peninsula also, which is, there are really interesting conservation organisations and social organisations and. Uh, organizations working in environmental education who are doing really fascinating things uh, botanists and other scientists ornithologists and bird guides wildlife guides and what we're trying to do is bring together all of these absolutely fascinating people who have different interests and different ways of life and bring them together throw it throw them into this melting pot and see what happens because when you get interesting people together interesting things happen yeah, I think people forget that in the term community, you can either mean your local area as terms of community, but something like we have a global burden community because we all have the same sort of interests and that's sort of what you're creating in your local area or local region. You're creating a community and a network of people. Exactly, and that's not yeah. just for your benefit, is it? Yeah, no, well... Uh, we're doing this project not for our benefit. We're doing this project because the planet needs it. Yeah. And uh, that's really important. The more people we can get engaged in this, the greater the, the positive effects can be. And I suppose that's also part of the strategy, thinking further. How can we use this to inspire others to be doing even more than we can? We're a fairly small little company. Can we get other companies to be doing something like this can we engage can we get encourage another can we find another 30 companies to invest more than our little company could because then our effect for the planet can be much greater than that which we can yeah. achieve and especially having all these local people to you they're also working with one another so your community is widening with 
engagement between all these different NGOs and Mm -hmm. even if they're just a local household, they can still get involved, that sort of thing. Absolutely. So moving back then from Costa Rica to what you're hoping to do back where you are. So you have different pledges. And one of the things that I know you'd like to do is to make your grounds a little bit more sustainable and eco-friendly. Is that something that's still on the horizon for you guys? Oh, absolutely. So uh, we're often asked the question, a very valuable question in the last few months, like, oh, why Costa Rica is so far away, it's on the other side of the planet. What are you doing locally or why not local? And so we all need to be thinking locally as well. Costa Rica is a high biodiversity zone. It was incredibly important that we invested in the neotropics or in the tropics at least. Um, but then coming back to our factories and, or our, our environment in, in the Alps, we're investigating to see how we can take 30% of our property and create a wild area out of it. We're, we're still going to need some lawn for the kindergarten children to play on yeah. and for people to move through. But otherwise, like, who needs green deserts? So yeah. Can we turn this into habitat for wildlife? So is there species you're specifically targeting? Because I'm guessing where you are, um, you're going to want things like some of your COVIDs, maybe, your alpine shafts, or you're going to go slightly further? Uh, I I would not put any particular species yeah. focus on because it's ju- it's more about like biodiversity in general. Yeah. And so we will be doing like some things that would help like hedgehogs, for example. But but it's not just helping hedgehogs. If you're creating niche habitats that work for hedgehogs, you're creating stuff that that work for a variety of different invertebrates as well. And so how do we how do we think of it in a holistic yeah. way? And I think that way is more fun anyway. When you start creating homes for wildlife, you never know what's going to be there. Like you just found your tree species. After all these years, you finally found the tree. Yeah, yeah. So creating that wildlife and that natural landscape around your properties, mm-hmm. you don't really know what's going to turn up. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> I, I know I was, I was feeling silly preaching to the choir because you're an expert <laughs> in this field of, of bringing nature around, around you and seeing wildlife in a holistic way. And obviously with stuff that you do as well, you do give to a lot of different organizations. So is it different for you guys having funded so many conservation projects and now be doing these conservation projects of your own? So supporting other conservation organizations and their important work is going to remain a cornerstone of what we do because we can't do everything. And there are lots of experts out there, so we're going to continue to support conservation organizations. But doing this ourselves is about kind of stepping up to the to the challenge of what the earth needs and uh, our thinking was that if we were having to do conservation ourselves not just having to but getting engaged in conservation ourselves we're learning more about conservation and what the planet needs and this is this is really hard we're just a company who's really good at making binoculars and stuff like we know how to grind glass but 
like conservation, that's another kettle of fish. Ooh, that's that's hard. Thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so we're having to learn this and learn this the hard way and make our own mistakes. But it does teach us and make us more engaged. And I think that's where we need to be moving as a society that we don't have a separation of like they're the conservation NGOs and charities and here we've got policy and politics and over there we've got business and they're all separated from each other. What we need is an intermeshing where we've got experts coming out of the conservation realm, the conservation organizations who are then helping all politics and yeah. business to move along that, that pathway so that we're all thinking about conservation because it's a challenge and a responsibility for all of us. Especially with what you're doing, it's very difficult to go from um, your one factory or your very few factories to now having 150 hectares to, to manage. So is that why you've sort of reached out to local community and the NGOs and other people in your region to come on board and um, have a look what's around? I would... Um, I wouldn't say that that's the driver, but uh, the driver is that you get interesting people together with interesting background, like diverse ideas and diverse thought and diverse experience and diverse perspectives, and you mix all of this together and something greater comes out of yeah. it. And so we could have just bought this property and thought about it as our little castle, our little island, and ignored everything going on around it, but that that insular thought is not how we're going to save the planet. We need to engage, we need to interact, we need a community of people to, we need a community to raise a child, yeah. as the saying goes. Like, we need a community to care for nature. And I think that's something that people or some organizations often forget, that whilst you can have experts in fields, nothing is better than when you put a bunch of experts together or at least novices because no one can be an expert without being a novice so putting a bunch of people together to learn together you come up with a greater understanding and appreciation for what you've done than just doing it alone absolutely and nothing's worse than after making so many mistakes that you finally get that one little reward and you think i really deserve this after being kicked in mud all day <laughs> looking for your pitters yeah there's lots of mud in the rainforest yeah. so I think we will start to draw things to a close a little bit just as the, the rain's coming in a little bit harder and I'm sure we can both have a cup of coffee and warm up after being here so is there anything you wanted to end on so how about we end on what is the bird you are hoping to most see on any of the projects you're doing or mammal, or tree. Oh, I, I would love to see a margay or a silky anteater on our property. See, they just sound more interesting. We've got British birds where it's like, it's a brown shrike, because <laughs> it's brown. <laughs> so there we are. We will hopefully catch you guys on another episode of the Wildlife Community Podcast, but thank you for joining you, me, and hopefully we can dry off. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Thanks.
I want to take a moment to close this episode with a few thank yous. Um, so f- firstly, thanks to Dale for being our very first podcast guest at Bird Fair and discussing those incredible projects. I'm really looking forward to following the progress of those projects. Thanks to Dan for jumping in as a guest presenter on our very first Wildlife Community Live show. And thank you to Swarovski Optics for sponsoring the trailer that we used as our podcasting stage. We got to share the space with some amazing guests and other podcasters. So please make sure you check out Into the Wild, UK Wildlife Podcast, The Casual Birder Podcast, Planty Planty Zuzu, Wild Disguise and Hannah and Eric Go Birding to hear other episodes recorded live from Global Bird Fair. And finally, a personal thanks to Tim and Penny from Global Bird Fair for giving us the opportunity to bring our podcast to the event. Come back next time when Dan and I will be talking to one of our childhood heroes about the importance of engaging children with nature. At the Wildlife Community, our mission is to connect people with nature. We believe that by sharing the work happening on our own patches and beyond the garden gate, we can collectively make a significant impact on the world around us. Whether you're already part of a local community group or have plans to start one, we would love you to get in touch so we can showcase your efforts and connect you with like-minded individuals so we can build a thriving hub of nature lovers who are dedicated to creating a cleaner, greener world starting right on your own doorstep. Together, we'll explore ways to make your space a wild one and provide you with valuable insights and practical tips to encourage biodiversity, protect wildlife and make a positive difference to your local community. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the Wildlife Community Podcast.